You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. Let me ask you to open your Bible. That's what we really want to spend time looking at this morning, God's Word. And it is time to kick off the brand new ministry year theme. Every year at this time, we focus on a theme. Does anybody remember what last year's theme was? Anybody? Somebody please tell me. You remember what we spent a lot of time trying to drill that into your brain. What was it? Lift up your eyes. We looked at Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2, which says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The reason for that theme is there's all kinds of chaos and there's all kinds of craziness going on in political circles. And and we wanted to get our eyes above all that. We wanted to see the Lord who is the only one who can help us. And so that's what we focused on. We also saw in John chapter 4, Jesus used that phrase, lift up your eyes, when he was telling us to lift up our eyes to the fields and see that the heart harvest is white. It is ready for harvest. And not only do we need to get our eyes on the Lord, we need to get our eyes on the Lord's work. So vertical eyes opened missional eyes. That's what we gave ourselves to all of these last 12 months. And if you remember, we worked out some sermon series through the year. There were seven different sermon series. The first one was lift up your eyes. And then we uh, looked at um, how to talk to Christ. How do we have a conversation with Christ? And we entitled that Simply Pray. We turned the calendar year. We started 2018 and we um, talked about the Church of Christ. We entitled that Simply Church. And then we looked at our purpose. What's Christ's purpose for me? I'm made for more. And that was a great sermon series. And then we looked at uh, the Spirit of Christ. We titled that series, anybody know, anybody know? Help, right. Thank you. Both of you uh, who remembered that one. Yeah, we, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So we have to have the spirit helping us to obey Christ. And then we got really practical about what it means to have a Christ-centered home. And we did a series on marriage. We entitled that Marriage is Obsolete and Other Modern Marriage Myths. And then we did a series on parenting. How do we raise Christ-centered children shooting straight, which brings us to this year. And it's really, my team has made it really hard to have this like unveiling of the theme. Because unless you are blind, you've already figured it out, right? What's the new ministry year theme? Let's say it together. Christ exalted over all. That means that we as a church are going to get back to the main thing. Hey, the only reason we can be super practical about marriage and parenting and money and mission and the church is because we understand that at the center of it all is Jesus Christ. Let's talk about this theme here for a second. The word Christ. Do you even know what that word means? Let me just remind you for a few minutes here, okay? Christ is not Jesus' last name. You understand that? Okay? They didn't have last names in the Bible. It was just Jesus of Nazareth. 
Christ was a title. It's not a last name. Some of you need to be reminded that Jesus' first name is not touchdown, by the way, okay? So it's not, Jesus Christ is not a cuss word. Some of you need to be reminded of that. When we say Jesus Christ, what we're saying is Jesus, comma, the Christ. Christ is a title. It's a, it's a position. It would be like saying President Trump or President Obama. And I just realized I, I offended everybody. By ju- I just said that, okay, right there. And that's, a, that's the worst analogy ever. You know, Jesus Christ is like President Trump, President Obama. That, the, it, the analogy breaks down real quick. All I'm trying to say is Christ is a title, okay? And it's an assigned title. Christ is from a Greek word, that is translated from an Old Testament Hebrew word, Messiah. Throughout the Old Testament, there was this promise that one was coming to fix everything that was broken and to redeem everything that had been lost through the fall of man, through sin and struggle and sickness. There was one who was gonna come and fix it all, and he was known as the Messiah, the Christ. And then Jesus shows up, and people started to point to him, and like, see that guy right there? That's Jesus. He is the Christ. He is the Christ. Do you understand? Jesus didn't come to be a personal life coach. Jesus didn't come to be an advisor. He came to be the Christ. He came to do something for every individual and then ultimately for all of creation. Let me ask you this. Are you a Christian? How many of you are Christian? How many of you say, be bold enough in church to say, I'm a Christian, congratulations. Why don't you do that at school tomorrow and church and in, on the campus, okay? It's easy to do that in church. But if you call yourself a Christian, do you know what you're saying? You're saying, I'm with, I'm with that, I'm a Christ follower, Do you know how many times the word Christian is used in the Bible? Must be a lot, right? Right? Three times. Do you know how many times the words in Christ are used in that phrase? 167 times. To be a Christ follower means that you have placed yourself, your identity is in Christ. He defines who I am. What he has done for me explains what I do for him. To be saturated with Christ, to be immersed in Christ, to have your mind and your thoughts consumed with Christ is what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian does not mean you come and place your body in a seat for an hour and a half on Sunday. If that is the pinnacle of your Christianity, you are failing at Christianity. To be a Christian means to be a follower of Christ, a worshiper of Christ, an exalter of Christ. What does this word exalted means? It means to elevate. Do you understand? Christ is not interested in your passive approval. Christ is not interested in your casual consideration. He is not interested in being in holding a place among many things in your life. Christ came to have first place in your life. 
You will make a decision today as a Christ follower as to whether you will exalt him over every other thing that competes for first place in your life. To exalt Christ means to worship him, to follow him, to treasure him, to serve him, to proclaim him over everything else. Did you know that everybody is exalting something? I don't even know you, but you're exalting something. Today, there was a glorious thing that happened right before the eight o'clock service. It's never happened in the history of Harvest Bible Chapel. It was a milestone moment. Our worship team and I, we walked into the green room, which is this little staging area before we come out here. And somebody's always really nice and they, they bring us some refreshments. They bring us some food. And it, sometimes it's a breakfast burrito. And sometimes it's a sausage biscuit. Today, there was bacon. <laughs> and there was pancakes. And the team was noticing there was a, a bounce in my step and there was a lift in my eyes and, and they saw me hovering around the pancakes and I, I'm looking, but there, there was a problem because there was no syrup. And, and I was frantic. I, it's just like, you, there, you can't have a pancake without the syrup. You got the bacon and the pancake, but the no syrup. And then someone, someone who is now my best friend found the syrup. It was, a, it was a good, all right. Do you know what I just did for the last 60 seconds? I exalted the glory of pancakes and bacon. And as ridiculous as that sounds, some of you spent your entire week exalting something other than Christ. There were thousands of people that packed stadiums around the country to exalt the glory of athletes. There were people that paid hundreds of dollars, just shelled out cash, just threw cash. And, and yet those very same people, they watched the offering bag go by every week. Like, wouldn't even think of putting anything in there. You know why? It's because you don't know what it means to exalt Christ over everything else that we spend our time exalting. Listen, pancakes are good. Bacon is good. I'm waiting for an amen. Pancakes are good. Bacon is good. Christ is better. Thank you. Understand, there are good things that will compete for the best things in our exaltation. Christ is to be exalted over all, which brings us to our text this morning. Colossians chapter 1. Let's begin reading in verse 15. Who is Christ? Why does he get to be exalted over all? Well, this text answers that question. Christ gets to be exalted over all because, verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Notice in that one verse, it tells us everything was created by him, everything was created through him, everything was created for him. Verse 17, why does he get to be 
exalted over all? Because he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Underline the word preeminent at the end of verse 18. Some of you may have a different translation that says that in everything he might have first place. It's a great translation. Christ didn't come to have a place in your life. Christ came to have first place in your life. Why? Because verse 19 says, in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on our earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Christ is preeminent. That means that he has the highest rank. He is of utmost significance. Christ is the central figure of all of human history. Christ is the solution to the fallen condition of every human being. Christ is the focus of every page of Scripture. Christ is preeminent. There's nothing that you and I can do to change that. That is an already declared, irrefutable fact. Christ is exalted over all. However, everybody in this room will make a choice today. What you will choose to exalt. Either you will exalt Christ over all, or you will find a few other things to exalt over Christ. God the Father has already exalted God the Son to the highest place. And yet, every day of our lives, we will choose whether to agree with God that Christ is exalted over all, or we will exalt trivial things to the highest place. We're going to be forced to answer the question this year, what holds first place in my life? Here's what we learned from this scripture. First of all, Christ is exalted over every imaginary perception of God. Look again at verse 15. It says, he is the image of the invisible God. The word image there, the Greek word, is the word icon. Get it? Get it? I understand what God the Father is like by seeing and savoring the person of Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. Do you understand you cannot see God? Is that a hard concept? Do you know that some people, they say, well, if I can't see God, I, how, how would you expect me to believe in God? Some people do not believe in God because they can't believe in a God who is invisible. And at the same time, they will whip out their cell phone and send text messages back and forth all over the world to their friends. They believe in this invisible technology where these, you know, neurons and electrons and all that kind of stuff flies through the air. They believe in those, even though they can't see them. And yet they can't bring themselves to believe in God. God has loved us so much 
Do you know that he, what he has done? He has made himself visible. He has made himself visible by becoming a man. Christ was not a man who became God. Christ was God who became a man without losing any of his godness. Jesus was 100% God with a human body wrapped around him. And as he lived and he talked and he walked for 33 years on this, this earth, do you know what he did? He perfectly reflected to us what God is like. God wants to be known and loved and treasured so much. Do you know what he did? He didn't just write it in the sky. He came closer than that. He came to live and walk on the earth. We have a record of his life in four biographies. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in our Bibles. Everything in the Old Testament pointed toward the day when he would come. Everything in the New Testament talks about how he lived and perfectly represented this distant, infinite God. And because he loved us so much, he came near to us so that our finite brains could have an image of God. You know what that means? Every perception you have of God that is not reflected in Jesus Christ needs to be discarded. All claims of God must be measured by the life and the teaching of Jesus Christ. One of the things that we're going to do this year is we're going to dive into the book of Luke. Probably sometime around December, we're going to start working through the book of Luke. Some of you were around in 2012, um, and I worked through the book of Matthew in a sermon series. I have been teased that it took me 74 sermons to get through the book of Matthew. The book of Luke is longer. <laughs> and I'm not quite sure if it's going to be 80 sermons or 60 sermons or 40 sermons, but we're going to take a look at the person and the work of Jesus Christ because who he is helps me understand who I am. And if you do not accurately answer the question, who is Jesus, you cannot accurately understand who am I and what am I supposed to do. Christ is exalted over every imaginary perception of God. Secondly, Christ is exalted over every competing influence. Look at verse, uh, the end of verse 15. Notice there's a strange phrase there. It says, he is the firstborn of all creation. Now, there's been a lot of people that have gotten tripped up over that. Um, there was this guy named Arius in like 325, just a few hundred years after Christ lived. And what he taught was that Christ was actually a created being. And he was a really good created being, maybe even the best. He was like the best created being. But what we're learning in this scripture is that by him, all things were created. So you can't be creator and creation at the same time. You have to make a choice. Now, there's even some religious sects that still believe that Christ was created. Islam believes that he was a really good created person. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, they believe that Christ was like the best creation, the best representation of a human pointing to God. That's not what we believe. It says that he's firstborn of creation. So how do we understand that? Let me ask you this. How many of you in the room right now are the firstborn? 
Raise your hand if you were firstborn. As of course, we didn't even have to ask. We already knew that about you because of the way that you exalt yourself so much. We knew that. I see, I see the brothers and the sisters, the secondborns and the thirdborns are going, yeah, I knew that. Hey, let me ask this. How many of you are not only the firstborns, but the onlyborns? All right, like a special class of arrogance in, in the room, okay? So like, now listen, the reason I can say that is I, that's me, I'm an only child, and we just kind of think that the world revolves around us, right? We want like to be in charge and tell everybody else what to do. And so, uh, and now listen, we went through the parenting series a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things that we, we said, you know, in our culture, if you're a good parent, you're supposed to treat all your children fairly, right? You're, you're not supposed to have like favorites in the family. You're just not, that's just, we, in our culture, we say that's bad parenting for you to favor one child. And if you have a will, if you're, leave an inheritance, you're supposed to like divide it equally, right? If you have four kids, then this one gets 25%, this one gets 25%, this, this one only deserves five, but if you're a good parent, you give them 25, you know? And so you divide it up. That's what we do in our culture. Now, the problem is, is we read our culture into the, the, the biblical culture here. Hebrew culture was very different. You have to remember, um, economic resources were very scarce in biblical times. And if, if a family had any money at all and the father died, guess who got 100% of the inheritance? The firstborn. So your first one is like, I don't know why they changed it. That should, that should, should it's biblical. Well, it's, why, why don't I get it all? No, no, listen, in that culture. So this is, what, this is what the writer of Colossians is trying to tell us. He rightfully deserves and possesses and owns all of it. He was the firstborn of creation. In other words, he gets the inheritance of everything in creation. There's not one square inch of creation that does not rightfully belong to Christ. Christ is exalted over all of creation. But do you know what our problem is? Our problem as humans is we continually exalt created things over the creator and put them in the first place. And they can be good things, but there is no created things, there is no created thing that rightfully deserves the place that is reserved for the creator. Christ is exalted over every competing influence. Not only visible things, but invisible things. Look at verse 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, Visible is visible. And then he mentions these four invisible realities. Invisible thrones, invisible dominions, invisible rulers, invisible authorities. It's also true of visible thrones, visible dominions, visible rulers, visible authorities. Christ is exalted over all of them. Anybody who claims a position of power, anybody who tries to exert authority needs to under, understand this. One day you will bow to the authority of Jesus Christ because he is the one who is exalted over all because all things were created through him and for him. All thrones are for him. 
All dominions are for Him. All authorities are for Him. And so we are foolish anytime we look to any throne, any dominion, any authority, any ruler to help us when only Christ is the one who has been given the power to help us and fix our situation. He is exalted over all. Thirdly, Christ is exalted over all of my chaos. Look at verse 17. And he is before all things. You could also say he is above all things. He is over all things. And in him, all things hold together. That is one of my favorite verses. Because there are many things in my life that seem to be falling apart. Anybody got anything going on in your life that seems to be falling apart? Anybody got a body that's falling apart? Anybody got a relationship that's falling apart? Anybody driving a car that's falling apart? (laughs) Here's the good news. For those who exalt Christ to the first place, for those who acknowledge the preeminence of Christ, for those who exalt Christ over all, no matter what seems to be falling apart, we have the absolute confidence that Christ is holding it all together. Do you remember the wonder of like fourth grade, when you were introduced to the solar system and there's a sun in the center and these planets that fly around and actually the whole galaxy's flying around, the solar system is flying around a galaxy and the galaxy's flying around the universe and there's billions of stars and suns and planets and do you remember the wonder of like, how does that all spin around without crashing into each other? Because Christ is holding it all together. You remember the wonder of learning about the, the microscopic world with the, the nucleus and the protons and the nuclon, neutrons? We've seen what happens when one of those crashes into another. And yet Christ is holding it all together. Listen, if he can hold the universe together and every little atom together, um, your financial crisis is not a thing. Your marriage is not a thing. No matter what's going on in my life, whether it's cancer or persecution or marital conflict, for those who will wrap their minds around this reality, Christ is exalted over my cancer, over my marital conflict, over my abuse, over my temptation. We can rest, we can relax, We can trust knowing that Christ is exalted over all of my chaos, but only if he's first, only if he's preeminent. You're thinking, man, my my chaos, it's hard to relax. Is Christ holding the preeminent place in your life? If not, maybe that's the reason why life just doesn't seem like living anymore. Is Christ exalted over all? Fourthly, Christ is exalted over his church. Look at verse 18. He is the head of the body, 
the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and everything that he might be preeminent. He uses a word picture here of a body. It's a great word picture for us because we all have one of these. And we all have a pinky and we have a pancreas, and both of these are important. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it tells us that that's what a church is like. We have different members that serve different functions, but all are important. Somebody in here is the pinky of this church. I don't know who you are, but thank you for serving. Thank you for playing your role well. Somebody's the pancreas. We don't even know who you are because you serve behind the scenes. The only time we know that we have a pancreas is when it's broken and we have problems. And there are members like that, right? So everybody has a different role, but there is, some, there is one role that nobody in this room gets to play. You know what it is? The head. That position is reserved for Christ. And do you know what happens in so many churches? Good churches, growing churches, churches with lots of activity and lots of people and lots of money. Do you know what the temptation for a church like that is? I'm just thinking hypothetically. I don't know any church like this, but if you, you, know, what, you know what the temptation is? The temptation is to exalt something to the preeminent place over the head. By God's grace, that will not be true at Harvest Bible Chapel. That's one of the reasons that we are pressing into this theme this year. Because if you were here yesterday and we cataloged for you all of the mission work and all of the great things that's happening in Harvest Kids Ministry and all of the youth ministry opportunities in the college and the men's and the women's, all of the things that we're trying to do and multiply churches and, and plan another campus in Elkhart, plan a campus in downtown and plan a church over in Budapest and, and, and reach the entire continent of Africa. Just little things we're trying to do here at Harvest in the middle of a cornfield in northern Indiana. Do you know what happens so often? a church gets distracted and begins to exalt things other than Christ. And I want to hear, I want to tell you today, Christ is exalted over all of it. Christ is exalted over every person that attends. Christ is exalted over every building project we're trying to build, over every mission effort, over every church we're trying to plant. Christ is exalted over all of it. So many churches lose the power and the presence of God because they have exalted relevance to the culture over the preeminence of Christ, not here. We will define our terms by what Christ says. We will define marriage by what Christ says. We will define sexuality by what, by what Christ says. His opinion is greater than ours. His opinion is exalted over ours. So many churches try to shave off the rough edges of the demands that Christ makes on our life. And he made a lot of demands. And because they're afraid of offending some people and maybe people won't come, they, they don't say the hard things. A church that has Christ in the place of preeminence exalts Christ's authority over every opinion of man. Christ is exalted over his church. And then finally, Christ is exalted over my sin. Amen? 
Any sinners in the room? If you're not a sinner, this, this doesn't apply to you. You can be dismissed. Service is over. You can, you, can go, you can go to McDonald's early today, okay? Listen, this is only for, these are only for sinners. Notice what it says in verse 19. <clears throat> for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things because all things were broken by sin. This world doesn't work right. Rose bushes have thorns because they're not reconciled yet to Christ. Our bodies get cancer because we're not quite ultimately physically reconciled to Christ. And one day Christ is going to turn it all back to its original position, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Do you know what you do when you sin? You declare war on God. And you justly invite the wrath of God. You declare war on God. You make yourself an enemy of God. You say, well, I've never done that. I really like God. No, listen, one half of one bad attitude is enough for you to invite the wrath of God on your life because God is holy. Do you know what Christ did on that cross by his blood? The blood of Christ washed over my sin so that the peace of Christ can wash over my life and I can have peace with God. You say, well, how do I get that? Simple. You have to exalt Christ over all of your sin. Some of you are sitting there saying, I'm so glad he's saying that because I know some sinners in this room. They, they really need to hear that. I'm, hoping that. I'm hoping they'll hear that. No, listen, you know what your problem is? Your sin is self-righteousness. And self-righteousness will send you to hell as quick as the most wicked and heinous sin. If you will not exalt Christ over your own self-righteousness, over your religion, over your own attempts to make peace with God, then you aren't reconciled with God. To exalt Christ means to treasure him, to exalt him over sin and self. And no matter what you've done, whatever your past may be, whoever you've hurt, whatever your greatest regret is, if today you will trust the blood of Christ that was shed for you on the cross, dying in your place as your Christ, as your Savior, and you will exalt him to the highest place, demonstrating he is Lord, you can be reconciled to God. You can have peace with God. This distant, infinite, ancient God can come near to you, and you can know him. You can love him. You can serve him. You can treasure him, and you can proclaim him. That's the way we're gonna end the service. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up. And by our declarations of praise and singing and hands lifted high, I want you to declare what we have been saying over and over, that in my life personally, in fresh new ways, I will exalt Christ over all. So I'm gonna ask you all to stand together. 
And this is a reality for so many of us, but it may be something new for you. Maybe for the first time, you can make the declaration, even as you sing the words of these songs, that I'm exalting Christ over self. I'm exalting Christ over my reputation. I'm exalting Christ over recreation and education. Christ deserves first place, not just a place, but first place in my life. And I want to live that way, not just in the gathered worship service where we go to the trouble to put words on the screen and we do it with some high energy music, but maybe even in the quiet moments this week, when you're tempted to sin, when you're tempted to despair, when you're tempted to give up, that in your heart of hearts, you would put Christ in the place of preeminence in your thoughts, in your family, in your marriage, in your education, in your career, in your reputation, in your recreation, to exalt Christ so that all of that will be reconciled and work the way God intended it to work. Let's make this our declaration. Sing it together.